Clinical assessment scores in acute ischemic stroke are only moderately correlated with lesion volume since lesion location is an important confounding factor. Many studies have investigated grey matter indicators of stroke severity, but the understanding of white matter tract involvement is limited in the early phase after stroke. I'm Carmen Lev Jenkins, Managing Editor for the International Journal of Stroke, and I spoke to Dr. Deepthi Rajashikar from the Biomedical Engineering Graduate Program, Department of Radiology at the University of Calgary, and Professor Michael Hill from the Cummings School of Medicine, University of Calgary, and Foothills Medical Centre. Both are authors of the manuscript, Structural Integrity of White Matter Tracts as a Predictor of Acute Ischemic Stroke Outcome, which has been published recently in the International Journal of Stroke. This study aimed to measure and model the involvement of white matter tracts with respect to 24 hours post-stroke NIHSS and have found that white matter tract integrity and lesion load are important predictors for clinical outcomes after acute ischemic stroke as measured by the NIHSS and should be integrated for predictive modelling. If you enjoy our International Journal of Stroke podcast series, then please write a review. We have it on very good authority that writing a review helps others to find us. My name is Deepthi. It's wonderful to be on the podcast. I'm affiliated to the uh, Biomedical Engineering Graduate Program here at the University of Calgary. Part of my research also is funded by the Hotchkiss Brain Institute and the Department of Radiology from the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary too. Michael Hill and uh, I'm a stroke neurologist uh, and clinical researcher at the University of Calgary and Foothills Medical Center. And as you, as you know, we work together and I'm also one of the associate editors of the International Journal of Stroke. Fantastic. So Dipthi, we'll go straight in. So we know lots about grey matter and outcomes from stroke, but what do we know about white matter and the brain and how it's impacted by stroke? In the connectionist view, the white matter are processes that are usually doing signal conduction. So they're not doing processing, but they're connecting brain regions. And so the way they get impacted by stroke is reported as almost 95% of the infarcts that present themselves in the subcortical regions, they have shown to have had a median of 45% of volume in the white matter uh, area, um, but um, or involvement in the white matter bundles. However, their implication and the clinical consequences of this has been less studied. And uh, that is the purpose of our work in that we are trying to see uh, what is the eloquence of white matter uh, to stroke, to acute ischemic stroke particularly, um, and how this impacts um, diastasis effects or disconnection syndrome uh, post-stroke. So <clears throat> what does the lesion do then to the white matter of the brain? How does it form and how is it impactful then to function? The white matter regions of the brain are already known to have very little blood flow relative to gray matter and also little collateral, uh, collateral circulation. And this is particularly true for uh, deeper white matter structures. So basically what this means is that the white matter bundles are more vulnerable to this ischemia-induced 
uh, oxidative stresses. And just and also another important factor is that with age, white matter is more susceptible to ischemia than gray matter is. There have been a few studies that use uh, DTI or they look at uh, functional um, anisotropic metrics on the cortical spinal tract, for instance. There are a few studies out there that are also doing uh, lesion symptom mapping, which is part of what we've done in this study as well, uh, to investigate how they can how the white matter injury affects um, stroke outcome in terms of function or functional recovery. And so just kind of delving into that a little bit, what, what is that? What are those impacts? And I, I can answer this in terms of what's been done in this work in correlation with the NIHSS stroke scale. Basically, there has not been a study that exclusively looks at or that, that looks at the combination of gray matter and white matter impact. And I think this would be the logical step going forward for research to investigate how much more critical or eloquent is white matter in the presence of gray matter in SALT 2. So the purposes of our study was to first, as a step, uh, as a first step, build an exclusive study on white matter impact alone, and then look at uh, kind of what the combined effect is in, um, in comparison with gray matter. One of the key results that's been popping up is, for example, the cortical spinal tract has known to have a severe outcome on motor function, for instance, as observed in the NIHSS stroke scale. And the question for us really was, what other white matter bundles come up as eloquent with NIHSS, uh, not only cortical spinal tract, given that the scale measures uh, language and consciousness and vision, other stuff too. So that's basically what we've looked into, but uh, maybe Dr. Michael Hill can also add in as to how white matter injury specifically correlates to NIHSS? I would just say, maybe just to highlight Deepthi's approach here, is that there are certainly clinical syndromes where you really get a clear disconnection of a known fiber tract bundle. Uh, the, the internal capsule is a good example where in the middle of the internal capsule, we have a million fibers which represent the cortical spinal tract. And if you infarct those, you completely disconnect the motor system. And we know that in, in the, I guess, probably relatively unusual circumstance when you do get a complete infarct involving those descending corticospinal fibers, patients recover incredibly poorly. They don't get a good motor recovery. It's only when it's partial that's the issue. And there are other examples of disconnection syndromes uh, some that are cognitive, for example, alexia without agraphia is a known uh, fiber tract bundle disconnection syndrome. And what we, what, in knowing those sort of obvious um, large effect clinical examples, taking this work further to say, well, what is the, what is the proportional effect and what's, what happens when you have a, a, this, this uh, fiber tract bundle or that one affected, but maybe only 40%. How does that affect the, the overall disability? And so I think that's, you know, that's the, the thrust of what DP is getting at. It's only a portion of it here at this paper, um, but it's to try to understand the, the proportional components and, and quantitate white matter involvement in clinical deficits. Deepthi, why did you decide to measure um, and model the involvement of white matter tracts with respect to the um, 24 hours post-stroke? So can you justify the use of the scale in that instance? The NIHSS is 
the state-of-the-art assessment that's done typically at baseline and post-treatment and there's also like a follow-up assessment that's done typically and why we chose this scale in comparison to the more commonly studied modified ranking for instance is simply because it assesses a wider range of functions so there are roughly six categories that the NIHS is looking at. There's motor and sensory, there's, there's vision, there's spatial neglect, there's language, consciousness, and um, responsiveness to gaze. And, and, and so there are a much wider range of functions that NIHS is, is assessing already. So the information it would contain or it would capture is uh, supposedly more than a much more crude scale like the modified ranking, which is the more commonly one, uh, studied one. There have also been a few studies that have shown that there is a clear linear correlation between NIHSS and infarct volume. And these studies have also reported that with an increased burden of white matter intensity, this correlation drops, this effect drops substantially. So the interest in choosing NIHSS was basically uh, that, and that it's state-of-the-art, covers more range of functions, and then it's also been studied and proven that it has correlation with infarct volume. Why 24 hours is essentially to reduce effects from secondary injuries and other comorbidities that may show up, say, in 30 days or 90 days post-treatment. So essentially, the question we're asking is, what is the relationship between structural integrity of white matter and outcome? And so we decided that uh, the earliest time point post-treatment would be the most suited one so that we don't uh, bias our results with secondary injuries or comorbidities or inflammation and other things so we thought 24 hours NIHSS was ideal. So can you give us an outline of your study um, and include the patient groups that you were looking at and just a brief description of the ATLAS model as well just so people are aware what that is. Sure we basically pooled data sets from two multi-center tri- uh, trials this is the ESCAPE trial that uh, Dr. Hill here is also a PI of, and then there's the Intersect trial that both come under the category stroke program. Um, mostly these trials uh, triaged patients with anterior circulation stroke, um, large vessel occlusions. So the data set that we looked at specifically in our inclusion criteria had predominantly uh, MCA strokes and a few ICA uh, strokes from the Intersect study as well. Our data set, unfortunately, did not have uh, severe um, NIHSS, so this is basically anyone who scored more than 25 on the total NIHSS score. Unfortunately, we didn't have people, fortunately or unfortunately, didn't have people in this sample size. That's one potential limitation of the study. But otherwise, what we've done in this paper is, the first is we've come up with a new metric to quantify white matter integrity. And we've called, we've termed this the tract integrity metric, which is essentially um, how much of cross-sectional area per white matter tract gets spared post-injury, post-stroke. This is one uh, image-based biomarker or image-based feature that we've quantified. And we've juxtaposed this uh, feature to the more traditionally studied uh, lesion overlap uh, metric, uh, which is basically the, int- the the percentage of volume that is uh, lesioned in this white matter tract. So we looked at these two features and posed them to a machine learning model, which is in which in our case is a support vector regression model. And we asked the question: If our uh, newly quantified 
tracked integrity feature is improving the predictive capability of uh, the machine learning model. And uh, to do this, we've used the AAL CAT Atlas, which is a gray matter, white matter fusion atlas. Uh, so it's also a probabilistic white matter atlas. Um, what we essentially did is we uh, registered or mapped this atlas into the patient space, and then we did our computation in patient space. So we've used nonlinear registrations and a technique called cost function masking just to ensure that the lesion does not contribute to the registration and so that the mapping is as re reasonable as possible. That's it. So step one, we do uh, we propose a new metric and step two, we see if it's relevant for the machine learning model. Why do we need to improve the NIHSS modeling accuracy? I mean, you pointed out that it tests for a much greater range and seems to give um, a better overview. So how did, uh, how did this strategy do so? So why do we have to improve the modeling accuracy is because the closer we get to to, to be able to say what patient recovery looks like for a given treatment type in a certain time range, then the closer we are going to be to patient-specific treatment or rehab. Basically, it helps curtail to patient-specific uh, management. Um, and how does our paper attempt to do this is essentially in coming up with complementing feature types. So in machine learning or artificial intelligence, the main, the key aspect of improving the predictability of a model is in giving rich inputs as features to the model. So we believe, and we've seen this in the data too, is that the tracked overlap metric or the lesion overlap or lesion load as it's usually called in literature is very complementing to the metric that we've quantified, which is structural integrity or this cross-sectional area that got spared. So having to not so high, highly correlated, but complementing information just allows the machine learning model to navigate through the nonlinear patterns more in a, in a better way, and then capture the, the nonlinear relationships in a much more reliable, robust way. And um, that just contributes to better modeling, and better modeling means better patient-specific rehab hopefully, in the future, going forward. Our paper is just the first step in that direction. Mm, sure. So let's go then, I guess, to what, what we're hoping to achieve with all of this. So why are white matter integ tract integrity and lesion load, why are they important predictors for clinical outcome after a stroke? The key message from our work is not that white matter is taking away from the gray matter analysis. We, we're essentially saying that any white matter analysis in terms of it quantifying its eloquence will only complement or extend the impact of the existing gray matter literature out there. The whole intention behind this research work was to, in the future, come up with a holistic model that not only looks at gray matter, but also looks at white matter injuries and then combines these features, both from gray matter eloquence and white matter eloquence, to finally predict clinical outcome. The hypothesis there being that the more information we give about the injury holistically for the brain itself, not just in the processing nodes, but also in, in the white matter structures that connect these processing nodes, then the more holistically we will be able to model clinical outcome or deficits we see in the patient thereafter. Specifically, why tract integrity is essentially because 
a patient could have, this is alluding to what's in figure one of the paper, basically saying that a patient could have a smaller lesion, which completely disconnects the tract, therefore completely affects signal conduction. This would lead to a far severe outcome in a few tracts compared to a patient who had a larger lesion, but still spared some of the white matter bundles within the tract where some signal connection conduction was still possible. So that's the complementing information I was talking about earlier is that this cross-sectional area metric is telling us how much of the tract was paired so that it can still conduct signal and still be minutely functional, if not completely disconnected. We're basically saying that research of this nature should encourage research that's doing predictive modeling for stroke outcome should encourage looking not only at gray matter, but also at white matter. And then we're saying we could use features like this that are three-dimensional metrics of track integrity, which is computed on a volume and not just on a 2D. It's not a single scalar quantity, but it's like, it's like it's a pixel-wise metric on a three-dimensional volume. So we think that's why this was important. And I think Dr. Hill can speak about the clinical relevance of tract integrity based on what he's seen also in practice. Well, DP, I think you've explained it very well that the, you know, the goal here is to have a better understanding of you know, what a patient's going to look like in the future early on by, by knowing what their brain looks like. We, we have lots of great imaging and the structure function relationship has been a dominant theme in you know neurophysiology for for a long long time and we have not until now really with the availability of mr imaging and other imaging techniques been able to really define it it's complex and so the idea of looking at looking at it in more detail is going to be important for us to help understand what to do with patients. It doesn't tell us about plasticity and how the brain might change and its healing, but those will be factors that could potentially be integrated in the future. From a clinical side, it's of great value to know on day two or day three how well your patient is likely to end up at three months or six months based on what damage has been done. And so that includes both looking at the cortex and the underlying white matter. So this work will be very valuable in helping to design models which predict patient outcomes and then help us to triage and manage their recovery and rehabilitation. You've been listening to a podcast interview with Dr. Deepthi Rajasekhar and Professor Michael Hill from the University of Calgary and Foothills Medical Centre. Both are authors of the manuscript Structural Integrity of White Matter Tracks as a Predictor of Acute Ischemic Stroke Outcome, which has been published recently in the International Journal of Stroke. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication for the World Stroke Organization. With your help, the World Stroke Organization can continue to offer support, information, and community collegiality across the world. Please consider becoming a member.